Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of HR Tech Chat. And with us today is somebody that I was introduced uh, to very recently, uh, but I feel like we should have known each other for a long time in this space. Huh? It's Brenda, Brenda Laughlin. Um, and uh, Brenda, Brenda is, sorry, Brenda is CEO and Principal Consultant of Peak Source Consulting and also co-founder and managing partner of Anavrio. Um, and she has uh, quite a bit of expertise and quite a bit of experience and background in the HCM space and especially in data privacy and security and some of the rules and regulations around that. I'm really looking forward to uh, today's conversation. Welcome, Brenda. Yeah, thanks, Brent. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, and I think this is, this is a really uh, current, you know, timely, uh, very apt conversation for us to be having. There's so many rules and regulations around the handling of uh, employees data and this sort of thing. And there's so many things to, to, to bear in mind and to um, be aware of in handling it, uh, especially in implementations and all sorts of things. And, and I know you have a lot of, um, uh, background around this, and maybe that would be a good place to start. Just could you share with our our viewers um, your your background in the HCM space? Because you you have a very interesting uh, sort of broad background. Yeah, absolutely. So I started my career as an HR practitioner for years and years, and worked in all the different areas of HR, and then decided to make the switch into HR technology and. Consulting, and for years was um, at Success Factors, and then worked with a partner leading their part of their practice. And um, about three years ago, I went on my own to uh, really dive in more to consulting, and um, have had my own pra- practice for three years. Uh, just recently uh, started Inavrio with Brian Turk, and we are really focused on really, really HCM, HCM services, helping people operationalize data privacy. Mm, yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Data privacy, huge, huge deal. Um, where to start? I mean, uh, uh, what should, I mean, if you were to, if you were to speak with uh, an organization, um, have like a first conversation with an, uh, with an organization to, to sort of, you know, prompt them or, or can persuade them that that the privacy of their employees' data is really important. Like, how would you go about doing that? What what are some of the things that they should be aware of that they may not be? Yeah, absolutely. So I think many organizations today are not are not keened into data privacy, and the there's so many laws coming at us around data privacy that it's super important that we. Um, really are in tune with those laws. And it's, it's, it's so complex to keep up with. We have GDPR, which I think a lot of organizations are aware of, but they're very focused on their customer data. Uh, we have now in the US, we have the California law, we have the Virginia law, the Colorado law. There's laws throughout the world. And it's so, there's so much to keep up with and know how to comply. Yet, I think most companies are so focused on their customers. And and really, when we think about the amount of data that we have, we have a ton of data on our employees. We have data on our candidates. Mm. I think about the number of 
people that apply for a single job. And so the number of can of the amount of data that you have on a candidate and your candidate base is even exponentially bigger than your employee base. And then we have our other workers. And so um, just thinking about the how much risk there is around that from a compliance perspective, from a potential for data breach. None of us want to be in the headlines or having to explain why we had a data breach. It's yeah. not good. It's just not good publicity. It's not good for our reputation. And so, you know, we, we really start talking a lot. I think there's a lot of awareness. Now, certainly companies that have been working in Europe around GDPR, you know, they understand it because you're getting some requests for information, which is a requirement of GDPR. You may have a data privacy officer telling you, you need to look at your data privacy within your company. But certainly, I think there's going to be a growing, expanding requirement for, especially in the U.S., where we maybe haven't been as focused on it as they have in Europe and some of the other countries. So that's interesting. Um, one thing you brought up um, that I'd love to explore. I'd love to explore all of that. But one thing, <laughs> <laughs> frankly, if we have we have only a certain amount of time on the podcast, so maybe we'll I have know. another one of these. Um, but yeah. one thing that's really interesting to me, or that intriguing. Um, is it, yeah, talent acquisition. Yes. Uh, the recruiting stage, <clears throat> all of that data. Yeah. So there are a couple of things. So first of all, as you said, there's more data there, really, mm -hmm. when you think about it, than there is, you know, once they become employees from, from a certain standpoint. There's all yeah. sorts of more. There's each, each employee has a larger data file probably once they become an employee. But yeah. in terms of just discrete, you know, discrete uh, um instances of data per, mm -hmm. per individual. There's more in talent acquisition. So now can we talk a little bit about like what are some of the what are some of the rules around the handling of of, uh, of candidate data? You know, like so some of the actual laws that you need to follow and yeah. some of the and then maybe the second part of it is what how do you um, what kind of uh, uh, what are some of the best practices around, you know, once a person is hired, getting that data, you know, for that person into the employee system, like there must be some rules around that too. Yeah, absolutely. So when we, when we think about our candidate, like I said, we have so much data and the candidates have, candidates have a right in, with GDPR, which is European, EU, Nordics, they have the right to know what data you're collecting on them and why you're collecting uh, collecting that data. And they have the right to ask for that data and they have the right to ask for that data to be erased. Mm -hmm. So you as an employer need to make sure that every piece of data that you're collecting on the candidate, you really have a business, like a legit, they say a legitimate business reason to collect it. So to be very thoughtful about why am I actually collecting this data on the candidate and then ensuring that as you're collecting that data, that you're only keeping it for the amount of time that you need to keep it. And so knowing what the retention requirements are and balancing that with the candidate being able to ask for the data to be erased. 
and being able to explain to the date, the candidate, if they ask why you're collecting it in the first place. And so those are some of the basic, it goes into, there's a lot more around um, candidates can object to automated processing, which, you know, is some of the things that are coming up right now, very popular within the talent acquisition spaces, some of our artificial and our AI and some mm -hmm. of that making automated decision-making, you can, they have the right to object to that as well. Mm -hmm. um, but just being sure that you know where all your candidate data is, did it go to any third parties? Did, do, what are we collecting? And being able to erase it if, when and if you need to, and then putting in place and things to make sure that you are actually erasing it after the retention timeframes is key. Um, let's let's um, sit on that for a minute because <laughs> I have a couple questions. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, this is, this is a potentially uh, like a huge, um, how you put it? That must be a better word than, than complication. <laughs> it's it's complex. Word. It's very complex. Um, I mean, this is a potentially just a very sort of circuitous process or very, you know, Byzantine uh, path to, to get rid of this data or to, so, so what I'm getting at is, seems to me that the technology you have in place um, that's housing that data um, really needs to be top notch or that data really needs to be readily available to you. I can imagine an organization, maybe maybe a global organization uh, that's scrambling to to go, you have one system that's that's in uh, say Sweden and another one that's um, in, uh, you know, I almost said Finland, but they're right next to each other. Yeah. Germany or something like that, right? You're in more than one area of Europe right? And you have two different systems for, if you're a global organization, for talent acquisition. I mean, what do you advise um, companies like, well, let me, let's, let's put it differently. What's, what's a particularly challenging uh, in, technological infrastructure that you've seen uh, out there in the wild where, where you really had to help this company uh, figure out, and what did you do to figure out help them sort of figure out how to simplify, streamline their data housing or data. Yeah, I'm saying housing. There's probably some, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so that their data is really readily available to them so that when any one individual says, hey, no, I don't want you doing that with this, that they can go right in there and snatch it out and uh, stop doing that right away. Because I imagine what? that to to compliance like if you th there's probably some leeway in terms of how much time you have to to respond but but just knowing like some of i mean i've seen some some terrible uh, i've heard about some terrible technology deployments you know some old ones that, that they're just yeah. so so i'm going on and on but maybe you could speak yeah. to yeah no you're absolutely right i mean i think it all starts with the vendor functionality right? All of our systems, we have, there are homegrown systems out there, right? And there are people that still are using homegrown systems, companies that are. But in general, as we're working with our vendors, it's, it's critical. And, and we work with HR tech vendors to ensure that they have the right, uh, they have the right functionality in place to ensure that they can comply, that they can run a report to show what all the data is that they have that's contained in their system, that they can, that they have the right purge and retention functionality put in place to ensure that it allows you to keep data for the right amount of time, to be able to erase certain data. 
an amount of time. So we, we work, we were, we worked with companies to help them really look at their functionality if need be. Um, but as you're an organization and you're looking at new technology, it's key that you are looking to ensure that that system, your main recruiting system does have that functionality. Um, and then it gets more complex as we look at other vendor systems. So we have an ATS system, but we send it, you know, we work with maybe an assessment vendor and the data goes there. So how are we building our integrations to this assessment vendor? How are we, what is the contract with the assessment vendor around how they're going to manage the data and how do we work with them to get that data if we need to comply with a access request from an individual? How do we erase that data if we have to erase it? And so those, those complications is where it comes in. So companies that are global, and we worked, I worked particularly with one really, really large global company for many years. Um, it is really identifying and minimizing those country specific systems and making sure that those integrations, that data mapping is really tight to know where that data goes and how it's being controlled. So, you know, when, I guess my question is, um, so I see a parallel here, you know, there's, when you're a global organization, you know, let's say global payroll, for instance, you have a, you may have a different type of solution in almost every region or locale where you're low, where you, where you have a presence, right? And, and global payroll really can really sneak up in an, on an organization, become very difficult to manage. All of a sudden, it's almost always a reaction. Oh, I guess we need a global payroll solution now because we're, we're dealing with this just monster every week or two weeks and barely making payroll uh, processing happen. So um, looking, so thinking about it from, so what you mentioned was that you try to sort of streamline that for an organization to have as few different disparate uh, solutions as possible in place. Um, what are some of the challenges around making that happen for an organization? I mean, that, that to me seems like a monumental task. Uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I do think um, when you are looking at global payroll, the challenge with global payroll is um, a couple of things. One is the hosting of the data. So, um, Many, uh, many places from a data privacy, several countries require you to have local hosting of that data. Um, so that that's a challenge and uh, many vendors are not able to do that. Some are, some have like a Russian local solution where you can host the data there, but yet it, it does come into um, the main system. So that, that is a challenge we work with. And sometimes you can't work around going to more of a streamlined system. Um, when you have more disparate systems, it's harder to track where the data is at, but the complexity of going to one system is th this hosting piece. And then also the access, right? The more people you have in the system in different countries, then you have to, it, it's more critical that we have the proper access controls in place, that we have whatever permissions set up so that only the people who need to see the data can actually see the data. Are so, there any, sorry. I, I, yeah, I go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, well, uh, because you got me thinking, are there, are there any organizations or, or vendors or technology vendors out there that you can sort of 
maybe technology slash service vendor where you can outsource your data protection, data privacy too is, okay. There are, I mean, there, there are different components to data privacy. There's, there are organizations that you can outsource your um, like compliance types of functionalities where if I have a data breach, how do I handle that? Um, all systems require um, GDPR and many of the other laws require that we do privacy impact assessments. There are companies that handle the privacy impact assessments. There are also um, so software vendors that can help you with data mapping, um, with data inventories. Uh, there, there are lots of, there are solutions out there. Um, and so there's just, there's a variety of different solutions. There's not one um, organization that, that I found that really focuses on solving all that for a company or solving all the workforce data privacy pieces. So that, that's really why we've kind of jumped into it because we kind of saw a gap in the workforce data privacy piece. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it is, it is a big sort of uh, gap there. <laughs> I mean, if you can't <laughs> kind of outsource that whole thing to one uh, one provider, then it seems to me that it's, um, that's potentially very, very, um, uh, uh, yeah, just, just wrought with, with, uh, pit, pitfalls possibly fraught, excuse me, fraught with pitfalls. Yeah. And it's, it's such a complex, I mean, it's such a complex thing. You know, you think about the legal piece and the, the security and the data management, and there's, there's just so many layers to it. I think that's why, um, we will see more. I mean, I'm not aware of any organization. There, there may be somebody out there that can do it all. <laughs> <laughs> um, Maybe. <laughs> I want to, if we could just get into uh, what, you know, what, what is the worst case scenario for an organization? You know, there, there's all sorts of, you know, potential downsides, downsides to this, right? You're going to have, uh, you know, a legal issue, right? Potential mm -hmm. litigation against your organization if you fail to um, to 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 uh, protect this data in the correct ways uh, according to the law, or, e or even just in ways that that employees might simply expect you to, even if it's not necessarily codified in in the regulatory environment, right? Um, so there's that, um, and then there's you know there, there's sort of the hard costs associated with with um, with uh, responding to say a data breach or to a um, or to a um, uh, uh, an infraction uh, committed in uh, yeah. the handling of the data, right? Vis-a-vis uh, -vis some of these laws, especially GDPR. Um, but but beyond that, what what it, so there's that, and, and I'm curious what what the potential like? What are some of the fines like? You know, <laughs> are these some you know sort of weighty fines? Yeah, um, they're huge. Some of them, it, there's so many different laws that. You know, and, and in some cases, we are just waiting to see when they're actually going to start enforcing it. Yeah. Um, there are some grace periods right now, like the California law 2023, uh, January, I believe it's January 1st, 2023 is when it applies to HR departments, um, HR data, so the employee data. Um and we're kind of waiting to see how they're going to enforce it, what those fines are. But the fines, some of these fines are millions and millions of dollars from a GDPR or other <clears throat> can be. And uh, 
so the fines are gigantic. Like you said, Brent, just defending that case, um, data breach costs of just containing the data, managing it. You know, a lot of companies do have some kind of insurance policy that um, helps them with whatever they lost from you know, some type of data breach potentially. Um, but there's still the cost of, you know, if you have uh, government involvement, you, you know, you're trying to solve this yourself, you have the government, you have, you know, whatever it is trying to additionally help solve whatever breach issues you've had reporting. And then there's just reputation, right? When we talk yeah. about one of the big things we're talking about right now is workforce experience. Yeah. And nothing can erode the workforce experience then hey you lost my data now i don't trust you as trust you to just take care of my basic data my social security number or your national id my bank account information or or what about like some of my sensitive personal data like gender identity you know some companies capture that type of stuff so um those are those are the basics of trust and the foundation of what we're all trying to work on workforce experience right now. So yeah, a potential catastrophe, right? I oh mean, my goodness. It, your your employer culture could be, you know, with one one mistake, um, if not even yeah, just, just at the point of the mistake, your employer culture uh, or employer brand uh, takes a major blow right? And, um, and there are potential ramifications to that. So uh, to me, that's just one more reason to have um, the right system and the, the right technological infrastructure in place and, and probably workflow as well, um, that you can respond to a mistake as quickly as possible to just, um, just minimize the, um, the, the otherwise potentially huge impact, uh, rippling effect on your, um, on, on that trust. trust. Trust is huge in employee experience, isn't it? It is. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's huge. It's just the foundation. It's the core. Like there's a, it, it's just a, it's just an absolute, right? You have to be, it's one of those things that I think we all know that if trust is gone, so is, so is your employee experience, employee loyalty, all of yeah. that. So, yeah. well, you could be facing a major, um, major, um, uh, you know, um, attrition event uh, in the very near <laughs> yeah. future, right? You know? yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> I just want to talk about if we can talk a little bit more about uh, data, employee data privacy, right? Um, uh, the, one of the things that I that I frankly uh, like about GDPR from a philosophical standpoint is this idea that 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 individuals have control over their own the data that is about them. And yes, because that to me is is a um, is a or not so tacit. Um, um, you know, admission that that privacy matters. You know that it, that 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 privacy is is a thing that um, it's real and it's a legitimate desire, right? So, for instance, yeah. this is this is a little bit funny story, but it drives home the point. A <laughs> uh, couple weekends ago, uh, I went uh, with my two daughters to visit Nana and Papa. They live about an hour away, and. Um, and we went for a walk up there, uh, the road next to their road. And it's, you know, there's a farm up there and you see some animals. It was cool, right? And, uh, and we turn around and uh, our, my, our daughters, one is 
she's what, uh, 36, 33 months. And the other one is uh, 15 months, going on uh, 16 months. Um, so anyways, so they're small. So the older one, she talks, you know, a lot. She's like, oh, like, um, we went by a driveway and uh, she said, oh, let's go. I want to go down that road, right? And I, and I said, well, we can't, you know, she didn't understand that there's a road and then there's a driveway that's private, right? And I said, well, oh, yeah. and, I, and I, it was kind of tongue in cheek. I said, you know, well, that's somebody's private driveway. That's somebody's private property. And we can't go on their private. Of course, she's, she has no clue that I'm talking <laughs> And then, I, and then I went off on this thing where I said, it's very important to protect private property rights. Um, you know, and all this. <laughs> then it occurred to me, this, this is just my weirdness. I'm a, I'm a weird guy, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> like walking down the, a country road with my daughter and, and, um, and Papa. And, um, and I thought to myself, you know, oh, you know, that's interesting. It, why should someone's private why should somebody's data be any different? You know, we, you know that, that data should be private as well. And then, and I, you know, and then I. <laughs> this what a was, great story and what a great analogy. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, so, so GDPR, that, that, that to me is, it's, it's a no brainer. It, mm -hmm. And it's really interesting that, that um, it's very interesting. We have to, we have to, have to actually put these, um, these partitions in place these legal partitions in place to make sure that people don't encroach on that. Because I guess if we didn't have, if it weren't, you know, pretty clear that, you know, you can't just camp out on somebody else's lawn, we, people might end up just putting their tents up on their lawn. I mean, how much different would that be than just using their data and not giving them the right to uh, have control of it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how many of us have at some point applied for a job and you fill out data. I mean, it's, and then you don't know what that, what that potential employer, maybe you were rejected for the job and then you have no idea what, what the employer has done with that. And, um, and, and you apply a lot of places, your data is kind of all over the place. And what GDPR did is really give, you know, at least for Europeans, um, people in the EU, Nordics, it's, that are the, it's given the right to say what data do you have on me and you have to erase it you can't just keep my data because you didn't choose me for a job you can't just keep it so it's it's great and I do see that that in the future we're gonna have more and more controls over what data like if you have my data do you have permission to use it do you not um and me being able to control and see all of that I think transparency is gonna be key, you know, for HR tech, HR tech vendors going forward, as we develop new, new functionality systems, transparency, so that you can see what data, where it's at, know what it's all being used for, and then being able to say, no, no, you can't use my data that way. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. I mean, a couple of things. So first off, um, just the idea that, just the idea that, 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 you know, the candidate mm -hmm. gave you his or her information for the split, the, the explicit um, purpose. purpose, right, um, to apply for the job. They didn't just kind of give you, you know, it's like me, I gave the mechanic my car for mm -hmm. the explicit purpose of 
of of their fixing it, you know, and then yeah. get it back after I pay them for that particular service, right? So it's not, you know, the, the mechanic doesn't have my car to just kind of drive around and do errands for. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm exactly. I can take this analogy too far, but you know, right, you, you don't have my data to just mm -hmm. use for whatever. It's not your data. My data is not yours you know, in perpetuity, because I gave it to you for this particular reason. Uh, that to me is just absolutely uh, fundamental. And, 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 and so, so there is that importance of being able to purge the, um, the data um, immediately or as, as soon as possible following the end of the, uh, whatever the engagement uh, was. One of the yeah. one questions I have for you though, um, is <clears throat> this is sort of maybe a little bit more of a, of a, of a philosophy kind of question, I guess, around in uh, technological infrastructure, right? But, but do you think that, um, why are we having so much trouble around let me put this differently. We, we've decided, you know, okay, we're going to have these rules in place, right? But there's still all these challenges. I mean, is there sort of a, do you see in the not too, or maybe the, maybe the distant future, <laughs> or the medium, the midterm future, or whatever it is, uh, do you see sort of a, a change in, um, in, in, in uh, philosophy in terms of the philosophical sort of uh, idea behind how we put together um, how we look at data as organizations, you know, and maybe systems um, being built that that just look at the ownership of the data and uh, treat the ownership of the data completely differently. Because right now, when yeah, you speak your data to an organization, it, it is, you know, from a practical standpoint, it's their data because it's in their system. It's kind of belongs to. Do, do you what would what would those systems look like that would kind of flip the script there? Yeah, no, I think I think you're absolutely right. Historically, HR, we have been hoarders, right? We keep the data just in case. We think we own it. We keep it because we have to, you know, some somebody's going to sue us for some reason, or we have to justify, or we have to report on it to someone else, and so we keep the data forever. Um, I see this. I I see that changing. Um, I see functionality in the systems and and the architecture of the systems that really allow, you know, and in the the blockchain functionality, and that I, I think could be the answer. You know, I know that's not, you know, right here in all of our, but there is, you know, my understanding is that that might be, you know, I see new, hopefully we see new systems that are all designed that let us control more of our data. One of the questions, though, it, it is that's I think is the challenging part is what is my data, and that's what I think we're going to have to really wrestle with. Things like um, worked with worked on one project where we were looking at all the breadcrumbs you leave when you're working in Microsoft Office, you know, or your your Teams. You know, who do I talk to? Is that my data? Like the fact that I am having this call with you today, Brent, is that data of yours and I, or does that belong to the organization? Um, is the, you know, the fact that, you know, I sent a, a message to somebody else, is that my data? Or is that, you know, is that employee monitoring? There's a lot of discussion around that. Um, ratings, right? Like I'm interviewing somebody and I make comments about, is this person a good fit for the job? Does that, 
like I say, Brent, you know, a Brent's not a good fit for the job because of XYZ, is that his data? Or can I say, no, that's really my data. So mm. there's a lot of things like that that we have to work through as well. And hoping that as we get answers to these questions from probably mostly legislation and court cases and things, yeah. that then the systems will have to have to catch up with it as well. So. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, you know, back in the old days, um, we would have a, a phone conversation over a landline, right? And I don't yeah. think that there was really any question that eight, you know, the Ma, Ma Bell or whatever, you know, the AT&T or whatever it was, I had you know, owned our conversation. I mean, they were just yeah. providing the, the infrastructure over which our conversation, um, you know, took, you know, that facilitated our conversation happening, right? Um, yeah. It, and, and, and yeah, there wasn't any caps. So, so with telephone, I mean, you want to get kind of granular here with telephone wires, right? There was no, there's no real data that was being, you know, housed somewhere. So, so the way that we, the way that we have, that we've, um, the technology that we use to communicate today, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's a different type of technology. And so, um, and so it, it, it lends itself um, to, well, okay, now, okay, I'm the vendor of whatever technologies that, that has, that we've used to, to make our conversation happen. Right. Yeah. And I have that data, you know, as a, and well, you know, I, maybe it's my data, right. That's interesting, but, but, but that's a really tricky question because, because uh, you would have to say that there, I think to argue that, that it, it's that, is that vendors uh, property now that you'd have exactly. to argue that that um, that there was no intrinsic privacy to one-on-one uh, -on -one conversation taking place with the two people involved having a reasonable understanding that no one else heard it that that was never a um, a legitimate um, conclusion for two people to have uh, for their do you know what I mean so it's, it's yeah. kind of this this is um, I mean I'm sure there there's some lawyers out there that are, that are discussing. I'm not a lawyer. So, you know, we'll start going down this, this rabbit hole, but I mean, it's really interesting. Um, you know, uh, to me, it just seems that, that, um, that there needs to, well, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe it's just going to be a power thing, you know, you know, we're just going to have to decide. We're either going to decide that, yeah, yeah, no, Hey, your, your data's out there. It's uh, once it's out there, forget it, you know, <laughs> tough luck. Tough luck, pal. <laughs> or, <laughs> or, or, you know, no, this, there is some, there is some, uh, you know, some rules here. There's some, some, there's a sacrosanct sort of, um, um, uh, you know, uh, quality to, to, to our, to our, um, to our identifying information that's, that's, you know, that's not saleable. I don't know. Don't, <laughs> not trying to get too philosophical. No, no. And I think it's just so complex right now, right? If you, you know, something you try to do in one country, one state, one province might be fine from a data perspective, but then you know, the German Work Council is going to say, absolutely not. There's no way that you can do that. Or in the UK or in Brazil or other places. And so it's so complex. What, what we try to do is um, when working with clients is, is try to establish like what, what are your kind of your 
guidelines for global companies, what is the kind of the highest standard that you're going to set to and set a standard that, you know, that we're going to, we're going to consider requests for a raise or we're going to consider requests for information, even if, even if it's not in a place where that would be okay. We're going to make sure we have like kind of some guiding principles and things that we're going to try to, otherwise you can just get so many different applications of it in different places and <laughs> and and then you have to look at how all of this data privacy is going to work with all the data analytics that some companies so much need i mean we need all this data analytics and so we figure out kind of our principles and we look at those in addition to how are we going to manage the data analytics and come up with a lot come up with our principles that we're going to mm. and and that's that's kind of a great starting point for a company is to say what what how do we want to move forward and how can we what is our strategies what are our principles how are we going to operate and then start putting the plans in place to get there that's yeah and i i love what you said about you know kind of planning for for um these are my words but I, I don't remember exactly how you put it, but it's sort of planning for the strictest circumstances and you so that the, the system can can handle whatever, you know, whatever the strictest circumstances are in your geographic footprint. Yeah. So the system can respond to that and then you know it's going to be able to respond, you know, to whatever, you know, wherever there's an, an issue. Um, and that's, that's something that, uh, you know, a lot of uh, providers for various global needs do. So, so I'm so yeah. glad you mentioned that, yeah. I, I I'm just looking at the time and realizing that we've, <laughs> we've so we uh, could talk forever. We could geek out forever on this. <laughs> yeah, I know. And data and, and high tech and all that. Um, Brenda, thank you so much for, for joining the podcast. Um, thank you for inviting me. Love, love it. Love geeking out with you, Brent. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, likewise. Um, it's been a great conversation and uh, we'll have to have you on again soon. I would love that. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.